Hello, welcome back to Garden State of Mind, South Jersey's most melancholy podcast. I'm one of your hosts, John. With me here, I have Jeff. Jeff, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm sad, Johnny Cakes. It made me sad. You just, you just got raped. Yeah. That was the, the sounds of Seattle, the team that just destroyed the Eagles last weekend. Destroyed Carson Wentz, that's for sure, in the in the worst way possible. What a disappointment. Yeah. I uh, it's 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 sad. I I admittedly went off the deep end Sunday, as you can attest to. You sure did. You were flipping out <laughs> about, you were flipping out about our, our buddy Jadavion Clowney. I uh, you know, I mean, you can attest. I'm pretty calm most of the time. I'm pretty you know even keeled. Like I don't really get too high, too low. I I was just off my ass. Was aggravated Sunday. I mean, this is a team that a month ago I knew was was you know was terrible. wasn't gonna do anything. But man, I was I was losing my fucking mind. I would say three weeks ago, you you almost didn't care if they made it in the playoffs. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. It, it's, um, it, it's it's amazing to me how. Uh, oh, it's absolutely yeah, of course. It, it's it's amazing to me how how I think it's the NFL specifically or eh, sports in general just brings you back in, man. Always. Well, of course. I mean, I I knew that I was going to be going insane for the Eagles if they made it in. And not only that, it was a very winnable game. Oh Extremely winnable. I, 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 nothing nothing makes you evaluate your life more than an Eagles season-ending loss. <laughs> it really just, does. Like, right? Number one, what am I going to do with myself now until you know April or May when the Phillies start? That's yes. number one. It's just so, it's so sad. I was thinking about it because... You know, I don't know, like, you know, the Tampa loss was just, you know, my kids were like one and about to be born. And I walked out of that stadium. I'm like, what are you doing to yourself, man? You got to You're you're going to be a father. You're a father. You got to cut it the fuck out. You got to get rid of this. It's nonsense. This Eagles team. That Tampa loss, that should never be spoken of again. That yeah. was so horrific. And we're so, you know, I mean, let's face it. You know, we both remember Super Bowl 15. I mean, that was... You know, of course, sure. we shot shot our load in the championship game, and and you know, blue <laughs> blue, Dallas, blue Dallas jerseys and Wilbur Montgomery's run, and and uh, you know that was it. But we we should be used to this by now. Fog Bowl, uh, you know that the Cardinals game we should have won. What oh <laughs> nine? I mean, it's it never ends, right? I know. I you know you always hear like, oh, this fan base is tortured, that fan base is tortured. Like I do think every fan base has their own degree of torture and certainly Philadelphia. I mean, it's hard for us to complain too much. We're three years removed from a Super Bowl. Um, Really two, I guess, right? It was 2017. Yeah. So two years removed from a Super Bowl appearance and victory. Even last year, they, they made it further than I think any of us would have thought. But I think that this year it was the tease of Wentz getting into the playoffs and, and and starting, and I I don't know how far did he get in. What was it? Yeah, it was twenty minutes. Yeah, I mean that's that's a tragedy of it. Is is at the very at the very least, 
he was going to get his playoff experience. And of course, you know, we get that's. But I was, uh, yeah, man, I was, I was losing it. Um, like I said, I, I barely let sports like drag me down this much anymore. But I was pissed. You know what it was? It was, I, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think nationally or NBC, I don't think they they don't like Carson Wentz or Philadelphia. I mean, that's an insane thing to think about. But when the dude fucking goes helmet to helmet on his back. And then they spend the rest of the quarter talking about what a hero he was for playing hurt with his sports hernia to Davion Clowney. He was like a hero. I yeah. I, I couldn't take it. I, it, it. It made me go off the deep end. We don't have to discuss what I was texting you, but <laughs> but, I, but it fucking drove me bad. Like I I you know I still that's the worst part of that game for me is that you know barely a mention of it. I don't think there's any motives there, but I don't I don't know how they don't mention it or delve into it. Like this is this is why we're watching Josh McCown, you know, scramble around in this game. I mean, this is a story. When when it, when a premier quarterback goes down in the first quarter, this is more of a story than oh he, he's in concussion protocol. No, he got fucking speared in the hell. How about the helmet? Yeah, that was the end of the game right there. I mean, I'm I'm over it. Honestly, it's yeah. it's done. I'm moving on. I'm excited for the next couple rounds of the playoffs. Obviously, in that moment, I was just devastated. And then to watch Josh McCown actually move it between the move the ball up and down between the twenties. Yeah. And (laughs) he had success there. And yes, I agree. I was furious that Michaels and Collinsworth were really just glossing over the fact that you know Clowney laid a dirty hit. I'm not saying I don't. I don't think he was out to kill Wentz. I really don't. But I do think he saw the quarterback laying there, and that was his opportunity, and he just took it. And he, he just rolled the dice, and Jesus Christ, he won. They didn't even get a penalty, nothing. No. There, was, there was just no acknowledgement from the referees. Uh, you, you barely heard anything from, from Collinsworth or Michaels. Uh, they had nothing to say about it. I don't, that's why I don't see how anyone could come away thinking that the networks are not slanted to, to, towards certain right. teams. You can't, they are. can't help but think there's a conspiracy. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's it's a conspiracy to keep it's and it's I, more than just the Eagles. We just feel the brunt of it. But there are just a handful of teams that they get the limelight, they get the kudos more than more than others, and Seattle's one of them. I wish I recorded it because I'm telling you, there was a deep dive into his abdominal, you know, issues. Now, admittedly. You know, Collinsworth talked about how Earth, you know, was walking wounded and, and heroic in his play. But I don't know. I, I, I just don't. If, if that was Mahomes or Jackson or Brady, that that same play happened to. I just think I just think there'd be a little more discussion about it. No. Oh, my God. The wind would have been taken out of Collinsworth's sails. You know, he just would have been lamenting about Mahomes the entire <laughs> game if it was a Chiefs game and, and he was knocked out or. Imagine if Lamar Jackson went down, you know, it definitely would have been the topic of conversation it would have dominated the entire broadcast. So yeah, I agree with you. I don't know how Wentz isn't a big deal. He's one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league. I don't know. Again, there's something, I don't know. There's something behind the scenes where, I don't know, people hate religious people or hunters. Like, I don't know what it is. Like this is again, like the it most, could be the Christian thing, you know, man, maybe, I mean, Christ. Yeah. This whole, this whole country now loves, Iranians this week for some reason. So, <laughs> I, 
Yeah, maybe Christians are a problem. We're moving away from Catholicism around here. That's oh, what's happening. Right. Yeah, you got that right. Um, yeah, so, you know, I mean, look, enough about that, right? It, it, it was it, what was most devastating was they they were within one score of tying that game. Yeah. And, you know, for whatever reason, Miles Sanders didn't catch that 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 short little pass that was it perfect. No, but my God, that was definitely yeah. catchable. And this is a guy who was money down the stretch, really money for more than half the season. And just and I, like Jeffrey know, failed us last year, Sanders failed us this year. Uh, the, I'm not putting Sanders in the Jeffrey camp. Uh, it was close. You got to catch that ball. That was as bad as that. It was as bad as the um, the Julian Edelman drop in the Patriots Titans game, which was incomprehensible. <laughs> yes, you know. And did you see that McCown was had a torn hamstring? He did. He I heard an interview with him. He he was on the Ryan Rossillo show this week and he said he's like, "Yeah, I'm just I'm fucking old." He's like, "That's all that that and, was." And listen, I, I honestly that game made me love the Eagles even more. It's it's amazing to me that they won this division, that they had a playoff game. McCown, you can't, you know, you can't say enough about him. However, the love for McCown is in such direct contrast to to the, like the, the the radio silence for Wentz, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It's amazing. I, I mean, I, look, I, McCown won me over. I was like, this guy gutted it out. He kept him in the game. I mean, what more could I ask for? No, I want him back, or you know, or let him be quarterbacks coach if he doesn't want to play. Like, yeah, but um, I, I can't listen. I you know, all the podcasts we listen to, everyone said it all. Chris Long defended, you yes. know, Wentz and everyone. Justina Anderson. What the fuck is wrong with this bitch? Like, what is her? What's her problem? So I don't know. Like, there's a there's a real vendetta with her. Like, there's something something's up with her. Um, uh, but I like I, I'm just I'll I guess I'll just go to my grave perplexed about why people don't like Carson Wentz. Hopefully, this fucking guy wins the Super Bowl. Well, the problem is, I mean, you know, we're the the fans or, or some subset of the fans of, of Philadelphia. We're going to be fans of Carson Wentz, and then the rest of the nation doesn't care about him. He's not their quarterback, so all that they see is that the guy's been unavailable the past two years. Another quarterback came in and won his Super Bowl, and now this season when he finally made it in, he goes out. Now, obviously, it was concussion. It's not the same as a regular injury right. uh, you know, from conditioning or whatever. We don't have to get into that, but um, you know that's why. People just they don't care. They, they really I don't. I mean, but, you hear some of the announcers. I mean, what do you call it? Some of the commentators or, or analysts like Chris Sims, they get it. They like Carson Wentz, but, you know, they're not – you're not hearing them. You're just hearing Twitter world. I love the NFL. And, like, I honestly love Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and even Tom Brady. I love them as much as I love my quarterback, Carson. I do. I just love watching them play. I want them to succeed. You know they're not my division, so that helps. But I don't think there's I don't think there's like hatred around the league for the Eagles. Like everyone hates the Patriots probably, but but you know I think there's more Eagles fans than not. Like I don't know why we're just not on this guy's bandwagon. I just don't know why it takes like a groundswell to you know to get him. I, I just don't I just don't get it. Well, he's gonna have to win a couple playoff games. That's just the end of the story. Now even more than ever. I know, but but. 
I mean, Jesus Christ, Collinsworth, what, like a month ago was like talking up Mitch Trubisky on a Sunday night game? <laughs> uh, you know, they got to they got to make the most of the material I, that they got, you know? I, uh, anyway, let's move on. Everyone's talking about this. What the fuck else can we say? Yeah, I, exactly. I didn't want to go into like a half hour diatribe Sorry. about it. No, no, it's fine. I mean, it's it's topical, of course, for us. But, but I was... uh, there are more more important games coming up this weekend that we should yeah. get into. And oh, by the way, how did we make out last weekend? Oh shit, that's okay. Yeah. So I think we, I think we can make our way through it. I had one win, two losses, and a tie. I, I think, think you I were was... three losses and a tie. Yeah, man. Yeah, was three losses. Right. However, I did. Uh, I hit. I hit that overtime bet. That was fun. Yeah, good for you. I, uh, I enjoyed. I enjoyed betting the under in the Bills Texans sack game. Where basically sacks were the story of the game, and they doubled the amount almost of the over other number. That was fun. That was fun. That the uh, well, there was a lot of fun last weekend until you got to the Eagles game. Yeah. Um, it, it was fun. I, I I enjoyed watching the Patriots lose. No no ill will towards Brady. I have no problem with him, but they weren't the best team, and I think that this was representative of that. Listen, I a lot of us. I know Florio for one, and me for. For two, for sure. Like, I was just not going to bet against them until, until I saw. I knew I knew the Titans were ready to beat them. I knew it, but I didn't care. I just couldn't do it. Um, you know, maybe it's stubborn and stupid, but like, you know, coming up this week, I love the Chiefs. Now we know somehow Reed could very well fuck that game up. Absolutely. But, uh, but I, you know, I'm blind to it right now. But you know, I wanted I. And, and the Patriots could have could have covered that spread and won that game, by the way, like a number of times. They looked like they were just about to take control of it, but just couldn't. No, no, they just they they have zero firepower. That team was done. I mean, they were going to get annihilated this weekend. It didn't matter. No. And, um, you know, Minnesota, I was I wasn't like like very, very shocked. But, you know, I asked, you know, where's the signature win? And. There it is. Yeah, you know, I was really upset with myself because I wanted to take the Vikings, and I just, I was like, ah, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to go with New, New Orleans. Um, I had a, a somewhat of a decent feeling, <clears throat> but I just didn't think that Minnesota was going to be able to run the ball the way that they did. I thought New Orleans no. had a better run defense than that. I really, I screwed that one up. Yeah, and, and, and but then on the flip side, in the first quarter, New Orleans uh, gets a turnover, and and then they were a couple plays away from being up like seventeen nothing in reality, but I mean that's a football game, but still. Um, but then they couldn't do a fucking thing. And then, and then also, I've known this for two years now. I know that Drew Brees is done. And, he can't you know, throw the ball more than no, like forty yards. We, you know, we get to celebrate every record he breaks in a fucking dome against you know the Redskins and the Jaguars or whoever the fuck whatever Patsy of the week comes by. But the dude has a rag arm at this point. I love him. You know, seems like a great guy and everything. He does. He's a competitor too. I like him. Yeah, he studies up. That's what keeps him there because he, you know, he does his homework. But you know, I texted this to you, and I've heard other people say it. You know, Taysom Hill, that he should be, they should set up an offense like he's their Lamar Jackson. Well, there's got to be a reason why Taysom Hill isn't starting somewhere. There's got to be. I don't. Maybe he can't handle the weight of a full game. I, I don't know. I just don't understand it. How could you have a, a talent that great? I think he works well in these small doses. 
Well, whoever, I think it's more whoever the GM in New Orleans is and uh, Peyton, they probably weren't expecting Breeze to continue to be capable. Um, they know his skills are diminished. I mean, we can all see it now. Um, and then you're kind of stuck. We got a Super Bowl winning quarterback that's breaking records. You can't, what are they going to do? Let him go, trade him? Of course not. So, you know, they're hoping to hold on for Hill as long as they can. So why, but why would you bring, okay, I mean, why wouldn't you have brought Hill in to start instead of Bridgewater when Breeze went down? I mean, it's not like he hasn't been That's with the really team for. Question. Yeah, I have no idea. You know, he's been with the team now for for a while. He knows the playbook. He's certainly athletic as hell. I just, I don't know. I think that there's something there. Hmm. He's a gimmick guy. And this Sean Payton. Come on, man, win a game. <laughs> what's, your, what's your fucking excuse now? Who are you blaming this one on? <laughs> How many wins did they have this year? Was it thirteen? Yeah, man. Who cares? 13, it's, you know, the most meaningless 13 wins I've ever seen in my life. What a besides joke. The, besides the Packers, but. The Eagles put up a bigger fight than the Saints did last they weekend. Did. They did. Guy with fucking duct tape. And... Now, look, they got, they got back into it, and <laughs> it came down to an overtime um, controversial touchdown to Kyle Rudolph, who all of a sudden is – you know, the number three tight end in the league. It's amazing how quickly things change. I don't, I don't think that was controversial. They were going to score in the next play anyway. They were. They were. But, I mean, there was a push off there. I mean, I saw it. I just – I wouldn't have called anything either if I were the referee. I would have thought it was okay. Yeah. You know, they had their hands on each other. So, um, anyway, God, let's not rehash the entire weekend. No, let's Pat- not. Patriots right, are our- out. It's done. And um, uh, these AFC teams are going to get fucking murdered this weekend. I cannot <clears> wait. I cannot wait to bet the Ravens and the Chiefs. And I love, I love that fucking parlay that Simmons had. I, I bet it already of the over one and a half touchdowns for Mahomes and Jackson. Oh my god! I feel like I'm stealing money. Yeah, that really does seem seem like uh like robbery. So let's start with the AFC games first. Let's hit the AFC games, then we'll talk the NFC games. Right. So I, I want to say that the first game is, is it Houston and the Chiefs? or the, No, that's Sunday. No. First game is uh, Ravens-Titans, right? Yeah. Okay. Where do you stand on this one? I think the I Ravens, know the answer. The Ravens are going to destroy them. Uh, Tennessee is their little fun run is over. Um, they barely scored 14 points last week. Uh, they're lucky that New England can't score. Um, you know, we we forget every this happens every season. You see that you see that team win in, in wild card weekend. You're like, ooh, and then you forget that they're wild card for a reason, or they're playing that reason. You know, weekend. Let's give the bye team some credit. Um, the Ravens have just been a force. They're going to murder them. I can't, they're going to kill. I can't wait to lay the nine and a half, ten, whatever it is. Yeah, I think it's I think it's nine and a half. Um... No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that the Ravens run away with this one, to be honest with you. I, I Not that, like, I wouldn't be shocked if the Titans are maybe able to keep it close for a little bit. But you know how, like, all of a sudden the Ravens will just start scoring on every drive? And if yeah. Tennessee just, like, slips on one of these drives, it's over. You know, once you fall behind by, like, 14, you're done. 
because your biggest weapon is is Derrick Henry, who, by the way, he's like my favorite. He's like my favorite player in the playoffs right now, and he's going to be gone after this weekend. Real time. That guy, my God, he's just a beast. Uh, he's just so big. I love watching him just run yeah. through guys. I really do. Um, but you know, it's it's not going to happen. They, he can't run them to a win against I, the best team in the AFC. No. I would say, too, that if you had any thoughts of Tennessee, take them in the first half. It's five and a half. You know, maybe, you know, the little layoff, Ravens start out slow. But just like you said, yeah, you know, it could be – it'll be, you know, 3-3 three, three the whole first half. And then, you know, in two seconds, it'll be 17-3 Ravens. Yeah, and that would just be the Ravens dicking around or maybe they're knocking the dust off because they've been – they haven't really played in three weeks. Um, that That could be it. The Titans will give them a good first quarter, for sure. I mean, the Titans aren't a—they're not a joke. I—I I love AJ Brown. I love Derrick Henry. I don't know how to feel about Tannehill. He didn't have a good game last week. He just did enough to not screw it up. Yeah, you know. But I, I like their tight end. I like AJ Brown. I like Derrick Henry. Problem is, I like Lamar Jackson better than I like any of them mm-hmm. in terms of ability to win the game. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. We've said it all here. So that would, we so have. you want to talk Chiefs? Yeah, Chiefs, let's talk. Uh, Texans? Chiefs, Texans. Oh, the Texans. They're just my least favorite team. I'm not a believer. You know, uh, you know the, the Bills did a few things here and there, but you can't be losing to the, to the Bills at home because of a, you know, a trick play to the quarterback touchdown. And then it just you can't do a fucking thing. Uh, there's just... You know, there's something there's something missing with that team. It could be just simple that it's Bill O'Brien, but um, now they should get massacred. We, of course, we know Andy Reid in the bye week and the whole nine yards. But Andy Reid loves to fuck this shit up. But I think I think in their favor is that they've been playing like you know quietly very very well the past like month. Defense has been improved, and. Um, Actually, honestly, I can't wait for the AFC Championship game. Uh, there's, you know, that's this year's Super Bowl. It is, it is, because I feel like it. I think what's really funny is all of a sudden the AFC became stronger than the NFC at some yeah. point. Though, you know, for I would say for most of the season, the NFC was the dominant conference, and then I don't know. I, I guess as we approach the playoffs, the AFC teams just look better, stronger, more effective. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, a Chiefs Ravens uh, conference championship would just be the best thing we could get this year. So I'm I'm hoping that's it. My God, I I don't oh, want to see like ra- Ravens. I don't want to see like Ravens Texans. Could you oh, imagine? God. That's fucking well. It's good for to make up for the Chiefs money. I be, I would have lost. So yeah, I'll need it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You just bet the house. I, I, bet- need, the, I, I need that cage. Bet uh, next year's uh, Alabama tuition on on the Ravens <laughs> next week. Well, you know, and it's 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 the NFC seems better, but the two the the best teams in the AFC are just head and shoulders above all these kind of clowns. You know, the NFC just being a bunch of nobodies. I mean, you know, we're one of them. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's agreed. That's a good point. All right, so so with the AFC games, we're both on the um, the, we're we're we got the home favorites laying the points. Uh, I forget what what are what are the uh, they're both nine and a half. Okay, I feel very comfortable with with both of these. 
Um, so, so let's go to uh, the NFC then. Uh, let's talk about the Niners uh, taking on the Vikings uh, in San Francisco. What's the line? Seven. Seven. Yeah. Um, I I like the Vikings. I do too. Oh, geez. And, wow. We're really on the same side. And it's, you know, what is it? A 180 for me from last week where I'm like, what is, but they gave me their signature win and, and they could have just enough, you know, kind of, uh, first of all, no one thinks they can accomplish anything and they already had a great win on the road and it could be just one of those little, you know, snowball type things. I'm not sure they def- necessarily win. Um, but I'm taking a seven, I think, kind of easily. I don't see, I don't see the Niners destroying them. I mean, you know, first of all, we'll know quick um, if this game is over. If the Niners, you know, will take care of it. the first half, they'll be up, you know, thirty. Yeah, I. But one I, of I my other favorite, well, one of my other favorite players in the playoffs right now is Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. and they do have so much speed. You know, when you think about the running backs with Mostert and. Um, Tevin Coleman and what, what the hell's the other guys name? Who cares? And uh, Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders, like they have a lot of speed. Kittle's just amazing, so it's very plausible that they could jump up on the Vikings, and the Vikings just never catch up. A- another thing I'm afraid of is Thielen. You know, does he get injured again? He- he's already questionable this week after having a monster game last weekend. He's now questionable again with some sort of injury. It's at something about stitches. And then Diggs was on the sideline crying last week, whining about not getting the ball. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are some things to be nervous about, but I don't know. I feel like Dalvin Cook's probably going to be able to run against the Niners this week. So I do too. Maybe, that, maybe that's enough. And let's not forget that this is Garoppolo's first playoff game. I mean, yeah, I'm not a Jimmy something. G guy. I'm not a Garoppolo guy. I mean, he had 13 interceptions this year. Yeah, I think he's a little sloppy at times. Mm-hmm. So, that's, there. That, you know, there's my seven. And, you know, if it, again, if you see that the Niners are just completely dominating, then you live bet like the rest of the world. You don't have to call your bookie like Ace, Ace Rothstein and wait till the end of the game. <laughs> Ace Rothstein. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the battle of uh, the. This isn't like a quarterback battle, that's for sure. I'm not sure how I feel about either one of these quarterbacks. I guess I trust uh, Cousins a little bit more than I trust Jimmy G. Yeah, yeah, believe it or not, so do I. You know, even though look, Cousins came through last week. Like I can't, I can't rip him. No. You know, he he played the way he needed to. Um, it was just enough, and he made really. Two really nice throws. I mean, that 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 throw to Thielen, unbelievable. Yeah, they were both of those throws. Those big ones, yeah. Hang on, I, I, I got I got something for you here. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's how we've won all year, team, right? Thank you all for the twenty points, man. Yes, sir. Give us a chance at the end. I got three words for you. You like that? Yeah! <laughs> uh, so perfect. I was legitimately happy for that dude at that moment. I was like, "Oh, me too." I laughed. I was like, "Wow, that's really great." Are yeah, I even had Maureen watching it. She thought it was funny. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Good moment for him. I mean, it's nice to see a guy, you know, kind of get that monkey off his back. I 
I, again, I have nothing against any of these guys. I have no problem with Cousins. Um, but, you know, I, so I'd like to see him get that victory at least, even if this is the only one he gets this year. I don't know. We'll see. But I like I liked the Vikings with the points this weekend. Let's see what they're – can they win, you think? What are they on? Uh, plus 265. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. So, look, I mean, it's – you're taking a shot here. I'm riding the hot hand of the Vikings. Right. Um, they have, yeah, they just have, you know, even though I'm ignoring whatever momentum Tennessee has, um, I think the Vikings have a little bit of it. All right, next game. Yeah. Well, the final game of the weekend, actually, <laughs> um, I'm, I know this is going to be a sloppy game or, or maybe it's less exciting, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Seattle. The hated Seattle Seahawks uh, going into Lambeau Field to take on Aaron Rodgers and his Packers. God, they now, fucking suck, dude. They could have beat the Eagles. They could barely beat the Eagles. Yeah. Well, they, listen, neither, the Packers didn't beat the Eagles. The Seahawks, now the Seahawks did take care of the Eagles twice. But I wouldn't say that they destroyed them. I think the first game they could have scored a little bit more than they did. This second game, my God, they were lucky to get out of there with a win. They really were. I don't know why Schwartz blitzed on that uh, on the last pass. I don't know. I don't know. He yeah, that was a bad call. Because our line was playing really well. Um, it was just Russell Wilson just getting out of trouble on third downs. It was killing us. But you know, besides that, the line was playing great. Um, oh well. You know, you know, what was the most maddening play of the game for me. Besides, you know, besides the obvious of Wentz getting hurt, um, that little that little toss to to Lynch to beast mode along the sidelines where he took it for like f- fifteen or twenty yards. Oh my god! I think I that was a moment where I really thought I could just smash my television into bits. <laughs> there was nothing more more irritating than that. Like yeah, like now we were forced to pretend that he's good again. Uh, please, we know that he's not. It's just look, the Eagles were so susceptible. Um, and look, that was that was horrible. I don't know how they could have let him catch that ball and then run with it for another fifteen twenty. That was just it was inexcusable. You know, right. well, Doug See, tried to let Schwartz go this week. By the way, I don't think he. Well, he'll do that. <laughs> no, he like. didn't. I'm glad Grow and the other whoever the other guy is. I'm glad they're gone. Well, we knew that Grow was going to be gone. Yeah, but... People are making a big fuss because Peterson lied at the press conference that they're not going. Like, who cares? Well, did he lie or did did they literally make the decision without consulting him first? I don't care. I don't care what they did. You know, I think that's that's possible, which is kind of weird. But okay, Seattle getting four, four against half. Green Bay. Oh, four and four a half, half now. Yeah, four and a half. So you break it down. I, I, I'm still actually wavering. I know I gave my pick All to right. Big Mike earlier. I, I'm, I'm wavering. Go ahead. You don't bet on my boy Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau in January. You just don't do it. You don't bet against him. That's what I, yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. You said don't bet on him. I was like, well, I'm not sure I understand I that I, logic, but. I, I bet he has yeah, right. So yeah, I think Rodgers, I think he has, you know, maybe not a start to finish great game, but he's going to be great enough um, 
you know, like the only problem with Seattle is that Seattle stinks, but they have Russell Wilson. So you're just you're going to be scared the whole game, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, but I think I just think the Packers kind of take care of business offensively, and uh, and then you know you don't have to do that much defensively to stop Seattle generally, other than Wilson. You don't, and I I'll be honest with you. This is one of those narratives. So remember last week I said I'm not I'm sick of this narrative of so and so always comes through. The Patriots never lose. Like, I was very yeah. defiant last week. I was not going that route. And you know what? I was initially going to go with Russell Wilson because of that narrative of you don't bet against Russell Wilson. And I know it's also a narrative you don't bet against Rodgers at home in the playoffs. But guess what? I'm going to choose that one. I'm, I'm going to take the Packers. I'll lay the four and a half with you. I, I, can't, I can't take Seattle in, in, in Lambeau Field. No way. This is another one of those, it's like, you know, I haven't seen the last couple games the Packers have played. I know it hasn't been spectacular, but this is one of those things where it's like, all right, Aaron Rodgers now is the forgotten man. I mean, let's, you know, we know the guy is an egomaniac. It's got to be driving him crazy. I don't even think anyone's talking about Aaron Rodgers barely. So it's all No, Russell, not Russell, at Russell. all. So it's got to be fucking driving him nuts. So. Well, they were saying it's like the worst 13-3 and team in history. <laughs> I said the same thing. Yeah, well, that's probably true. That's that's why my joke that I screwed up about you know bet against Rodgers because <laughs> I think he's uh, I, I love to bet against him, but um, oh I, no, wait, let you know what? There is one uh, thirteen and three team that's worse, and that would be this year's New Orleans Saints. <laughs> <laughs> poor New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, poor New Orleans. I feel I feel so bad for them. I really do. Poor Saints. All right, so back to this game. Um, any any additional thoughts, or is it really just you feel good about Rodgers? That's it. Yeah, I feel good about Rodgers. Let's move on. So we said it all. We agree. Right. We agree on all all four games somehow. It's got to. We good. do. So I guess I will move into the final weekend or the conference championship weekend uh, with uh, half a game up on you. I think. No, one one game up on you. Yeah, two uh, two games. Is well, it two? I mean, you've been you've been destroying me all year. I've been a disaster. Um, oh, I thought we were resetting in the playoffs. Yeah, we are resetting, but I was o three and one. You were o three and one. <laughs> I was one two and one. So I'm only one up on you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you can still climb back in it. You just have to wait until conference championships. I actually won money last weekend somehow. Okay, and how I, did that happen? You must have bet I, against your picks from the podcast. I did, and I, well, I was doing you know halftime bets and in-game bets, and but I still bet. I bet the fourteen parlay of all my picks each day. I bought. The, I bet the two two-team parlay of my picks. Like I just didn't care, but uh, yeah, I'm still winning. So, I'm happy it worked out for you. Thanks. May, may, may we win again this weekend? Because I think if we win, that guarantees the best playoff games i i don't care about a seattle against san francisco uh rematch i i know i sound like just a bitter eagles fan but that's sorry that's the way i feel i don't i don't i don't want that game i want uh i want green bay in san francisco i'll take that um i'm not aaron, sure. aaron Rodgers against the team that didn't draft him come on it's a good storyline oh, okay there you go all right 
passed over for Alex Smith <laughs> so many years ago. Um, okay, so that wraps up the NFL portion of this week's podcast. Um, we wanted to start doing our deep dive of the Irishman. Yeah. Did we not? And we'll have to break it up into parts, like a mini-series. Um, you know, for everyone that hates the length of this movie, uh, what we're going to do what Scorsese should have done. Make it smaller. Bite-size. Oh, absolutely. It, it should have been a mini-series. It, well, it really could have been, and, and certainly we could do this in, like, ten parts, I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> well, let's, let's get started. Uh, I am going to... you have any, <laughs> any other thoughts heading into it? If I sound like I'm gonna, I'm gasping for air, uh, constantly. It's because I have a horrible cough. Okay. Here you go. Yeah. This, 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 this soundtrack, this, this theme by Robbie Robertson, just incredible. I, I don't know why it's, it just, it just, it becomes better and better, more perfect every time you hear it. I know. I know. It it really um, oh let me kill this. It really just <laughs> I do I I do love listening to it. It just um, the the way he kind of sprinkled it throughout the movie and in in different yeah. scenes, I just loved it and it really just added a tone to the movie, um, and really just kind of a cold blooded tone. I think that's kind of what I get from that song and I I loved it, um, but um, anyway. I'm treating people that, that don't like the Irishman or think it's too long, like the way I reacted to Jadavion Clowney. Like, I'm just, I'm kind of losing it. Um, you know, I'm texting people like crazy on word chumps. Like, what is wrong with you? How do you not like a, our greatest director, our greatest director, living director, his fucking masterpiece, like where he's using every fucking tool, every trick, everything, every, every part of his life is burned into this movie and it's perfect but and we've already know. established that more than half of the country is it's stupid so just by if i extract that that logic more than half of people i'm going to talk to about the irishman are stupid hmm. so i don't i don't yeah. trust their opinion nor do i value it nor do i care about it, it, it they're wrong yeah. so that's fine i'm okay with it yeah more irishman for me that's true in this day and age, I just end the, the length of it. I mean, you know. Yeah, who cares? You can sit and watch it in the comfort of your own home. That was the beauty of this movie. Now, we, we chose to watch it in the movie theater twice. Or you mm -hmm. saw it three times. I saw it twice. No, twice. Oh, uh, twice. All right. So we both saw it twice in the theater. Um, yeah, but, you know, you could just wait and watch it on Netflix, which is what most people did. And you're at home. You get piss breaks whenever you want. You can eat whatever you want. You can have a filet mignon. It didn't matter. So, you know, what's the problem with a three-and-a-half-hour movie? Who cares? It, it, was, it was perfect the way that they released it like that. Yep, I agree. But, you know, it's too long. Bill Simmons, oh, it's too long. It's slow. He did, he did come around. He likes it now. I just think that he, he's only doing that because of the pressure. I think the true colors sh shine through already. It's too late. I you can't well, go you, back. Well, you figure how much better it gets each time we watch it. So you're hoping this happens for other people that watch it a second time, at least. 
Yeah, I had a hard time stomaching some of the comments that he was making and Cousin Sal were making about it. And well, the Sal's slowness. A, Sal's an imbecile. I mean. Yeah, he is. That's true. Um, well, how do you want to kick this off? I mean, uh, did, did you want to start from the very beginning? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I have like some things I, I, I took notes on, but, um, you know, I skipped some scenes, but, you know. Just things that interested me. Okay. Well, I mean, the movie starts out with uh, In the Still of the Night. Right? Perfect choice. I, I don't, maybe, I mean, is it the best choice ever for a soundtrack to go with a movie? I don't, I don't know. I thought it was amazing. I, you know, I'm not going to play this whole song, but... I just kind of like how they did that, you know, meandering shot through the nursing home within the still of the night playing. And I guess some of the meaning behind in the still of the night, when you think about quiet, you know, the end of someone's life, which is kind of where Frank Sheeran is. That's where we meet him. Um, he's kind of getting there. Uh, yeah, it's a really great choice of a song. There was a lot of quiet in this movie. Um, of course, the, uh, when later on, when, when uh, they drive to the airport and Frank takes the flight, there was there was nothing there. It was just you know there was no soundtrack, and it's you know it's jarring when you really kind of sit there and kind of just listen to the normal sounds. But yeah, it's still of the night, and you know what? I, I don't know. Maybe I love this movie because I guess I have, I, I have a lot of regrets. I don't know. It just really hits me. Like I can't help but think about fuck ups I've made and, and all this stuff. I mean, I haven't murdered anybody yet, but. <laughs> You know, and as, I don't think you've been as, as bad as Frank Sheeran was. <laughs> I mean, as fathers of daughters, I, I can't think of a worse thing if my daughter was talking to me. I, oh my I, God, I hear you. you. Imagine? When I when I watch Blow, the Johnny Depp movie. Oh and, God, yeah. And, I, and I'm like, those cocksucking FBI agents like fucked him over, and all he wanted to he was finally getting out. He was going to be with his little girl. Everyone's doing cocaine anyway. Like that just kills me, man. That killed, that killed me. I don't even know when that movie came out. Uh, uh, Blow, that was like early 2000. I want to say it was 2000, 2001. Right, so, so my daughter was alive, but that just uh, kills me, his daughter. Well, he. I mean, honestly, it. yeah, that kills me, but I have nothing but contempt for the person, for George Young in that situation. I mean, he. I understand what he was trying to do, but it's like, come on, man. You know, like, one more time and you're done, and he still did it, and that's how they wind up <laughs> – they wound up nailing it. I did feel bad for him in that scene. And you could tell that those agents even felt bad yeah, for him. They're like, holy shit, I can't believe this guy did it again. <laughs> um, but, yeah, well, at least you would have Hayden to fall back on. I got nothing. If Olivia <laughs> decides to stop talking to me, it's just me and Maureen. That's it. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty bad. Yeah, Hayden's a, Hayden's a real thrill to be around. So, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's, yeah, you, you lose a little bit on the conversation front. Uh, no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, you'd be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. But, but uh, the, re you know, the regrets, yes. Yeah. Uh, but the song choice was just tremendous. And, and it's and, I, and of course, we've, we've talked about this. We're going to talk about it more. But, you know, especially for us, I don't give a fuck about anybody else. Uh, let's approach it from our vantage point. We have so much history with this director. You and I basically watched all his movies the past six months. Um <laughs> You know, we, we prepared. Have, right. And it's this genre, genre we love, you know, when you factor in The Godfather and all that and, you know, Sopranos. And 
and and you're not getting you're not getting that copa shot you're not getting the thrill of going to a club you know bumping lines you're getting laid that's gone you're an old man it's a nursing home and that's that's our that's our long tracking shot you know yeah it's like the cold water splash in the face of actually this is how it really is yeah. <laughs> this is where you end up and and it's not pretty really they all look yeah. decrepit in the end when they were in prison <laughs> they look terrible yeah we all you know you all die alone hopefully you have some family around but you're just fucked up you know probably shitting yourself and can't do a fucking thing i mean it's it's it's, it's depressing yeah well and hey that's the way scorsese decided to start it out but you you don't have like a I didn't have a sad feeling in the beginning, you know, when it's no. it's kind of it, it it's obviously it's not a very lively place, a, a, a nursing home, retirement home, whatever you want to call it. But I didn't have a, a, a sad feeling at that point in the story. But I guess he was just setting a stage for really what was to come. Certainly. Yeah, you're right. It's gotten much sadder upon, you know, more viewings. Oh, God. Yeah. Um. So. Where did it go? For, so it, it, we started out in the beginning, the meandering shot. You, you come across Frank. They pan across his hand so you can see the ring. And eventually right. you, you, we get to that point in the story where you understand where it came from. just looks like a giant pinky ring that a, that a mobster would be wearing. Um, where did it go? Was it uh, them in the car on their way to Chicago it, it, or Detroit? Yeah, he's talking about the trip. Um, one screw-up. That De Niro says when he's getting the map out, he's like, "Oh, we'll probably take four seven six out of Philly," and you know we don't say four seven six. Yeah, that was kind of weird that they got that wrong. Yeah, I was, I was, but yeah, whatever. They're fucking New Yorkers. Yeah, four seven six. Uh, that's odd. Yeah. Um, and then of course that, that that thing I found this week on Twitter where, when he's talking about. I heard you paint houses, and you actually see that the snippet, it's actually Hoffa getting shot. Yeah, I, I saw that. I commented on it. I I think that, um, I guess you were supposed, uh, that's who it was, I suppose, but my God, that guy's hair was, was brown. There wasn't any gray in, at all, gray in it at all. I think they could have done a better job with a body double if that was supposed to be Hoffa in that moment, which that it looked like a- it was. It's impossible to really pause on Netflix because when you do, and then they put up their fucking logo, like, like yeah, you know, it kills Netflix. you. Maybe I'm trying to look fucking look at the screen, right? Like, I, I get it. I know what I know what fucking app I'm on. They need to uh, brand so I, I everything try. every fucking second. <laughs> right. Um, but that so I'm I'm not sure. I, I think it was him, but it, like I said, it's hard to whatever. Well, um, I mean, it it looked like it was up against the door. And the blood splatters well, on the wall, the same as it did in the scene where he shot Hoffa. So you're probably yeah. right. Yeah. But again, that's a, you know that's you you want to dive into this movie, and then you, then yes. you see this um, I like the uh, I like the idea of the I heard you know the, the the title cards. I heard you know the black screen. Yeah. And then it's like it's like over the road. And in fact, it's over. I don't know. I don't know if there's any significance to this, but it's over the middle lines. Like it's not in the lane. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, interesting. I heard, and then you, and then paint houses, and you know, I don't know. We'll have to really think about what that means, and especially with the lanes. I don't know. I They're will just... say that the the car, you know, the driving, 
and the the like that yeah that title i forget what they call that but the uh the title credits or a title rolling uh with, with the car drive reminded me of goodfellas that that yeah. opening the, you know same sort of uh intro to the movie i thought that was kind of cool i want yeah i wonder um you know russ they, he said later russ owned the whole road and maybe that would it that's what it was he was just driving all over the road but then again <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was frank sheer and i don't know um, they didn't even is does it say the Irishman in this movie in the beginning? No, no. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, so, interesting choice. You know, he decided to use the title of the book. I heard you paint houses. Um, yeah, interesting choice. You're so you're you know you're getting the the typical stuff. Again, I always think of like how I would film something if I was a director and I don't know anything. Like, I would, you would think, like, oh, I'll just shoot everything kind of normally. I'm just looking around the room or, you know, there's just an overhead shot. I just think of the setup of the overhead shot of a suitcase. Like, oh, my God, why bother? But, you know, it But it pays works. off, though. It does. It really does. I think about that all the time also. Like, how does the director decide how many – like, I know that they – I guess they do storyboards. Yes. And and so they storyboard everything, and yeah, and they draw it out, and they think, all right, I want to see this, I I want to see this. It's almost like you're reading a comic book, um, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, I'm amazed because I wouldn't I wouldn't think of all these these intricacies. But that's why we're not directors. Right. I I love I I don't know. I just noticed this part. So when they're when they're kind of getting started, and he's like, you know, Russ want, doesn't fly. He wants to drive, and they're you know they're putting the suitcases in the trunk, and so. So you're, 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 you're have, you have Pesci just in the screen, and in the foreground is is the trunk, and then the suitcases are like going in front of his face. Yeah. And it's just again, it's another. I don't know what that means exactly, but I love it, and you know, I, I would never have decided to film it that way. Why would you want to put anything in front of the dude's face? I don't know. It's just a creative decision, and I I, I think I just liked I liked the whole opening sequence of. You know they're 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 heading on this trip. You, you just don't know where yet, and obviously that unfolds throughout the story. You know that it has something to do with Hoffa. Like like we know that much, just knowing mm -hmm. what we knew about the movie going into it. But you just you, you're not sure what, where are they headed. They're going to a wedding, right? It was the Buffalino wedding, but we have no idea what the significance is and what this whole trip out there is. And I just like that aspect of it too. Um, I like when a movie starts out that way. It's like I'm kind of unsure what's going on here, but I'm going to go with it. Yeah. And is that as simple as, a you know, you know, the story of everyone's life? You know, it's all a trip. You don't know where it's headed. Can it be that simplistic, too? I, th I like that take. I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, maybe. A journey. You're a, you're a simpleton. Yeah, we're going to take you on a journey. So... <laughs> um. Yeah, and then it, it, and then they stop for the smoke, right? Mm -hmm. And they see the sign from the filling station where they met God. However many years ago it was, thirty years earlier, maybe. Yeah, yeah twenty so years, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, what did, What were your thoughts on the de aging? This is where you really first get a glimpse of it. Sure. Yeah, your first de aging. Um. It, the first second of, of De Niro and the car, you were, the truck, you were, it was a little, it was a quick shock. 
And then I was like, okay, this is it. I mean, I know what's happening in this movie. I know going in the deal. So I quickly adapted to that. And Pesci, I thought right away was fine. Like I don't, I really kind of thought his de-aging was, was pretty good. Yeah. He looked, he looked fine. I think the weirdness was with, for some people was with De Niro having blue eyes. So, you know, Frank Sheeran, obviously an Irishman having the blue eyes, it was probably like a little off putting. It almost looked like doll's <laughs> eyes or something. It was kind of strange, but but I got it. I thought he, he looked younger, so it worked for me. Yeah. Uh, the, the salad scene, his eyes look bad. Yes, uh, they did look strange. I agree I, with you there. I can't stop noticing them every time I watch that scene, and it annoys me that I think about it. But It's like ice. Um, I think what bothered me more was, and I know it's I, – I read that article – Mm-hmm. Um, but that the the scene, and I guess we'll get to it. But you know where he is stomping, it was just so damn noticeable that it was an older man trying to simulate stomping somebody on the sidewalk, and it it looked huh. poor. It did. Well, do you want to talk about that article? Uh, should we do that now, or you want to wait till we eventually get to that scene in the movie? I don't know. I think that it could be good to talk about it now, to, because it's. Sure. Go ahead, uh, lay it out. Um, I kind of forgot the premise for a second. Well, the the premise was that pe- the complaints, people complain so much about the de aging and the fact that, um, you know, you had older guys that were supposed to be playing younger guys in certain scenes, like De Niro playing a young Frank Sheeran and the old Frank Sheeran was actually one of the better things about the movie is what that columnist wrote. Yeah. And you know, um, his colleague was on a, a podcast with Simmons and he was mentioning, which I thought was a, was a tremendous take of you. Obviously here's the thing. Uh, Scorsese, the master of detail and, and, you know, and his editor, you know, do you think that they saw that and thought, Oh, it looks fine. Like they knew how it looks. Right. I mean, I would have to say at this point, everything was done with a purpose. And since we are starting in the old age home and we're thinking about, we're going back in life, think about ourselves. Like this is what, yeah. this is what, the, what the point makes. Like when I think about my whole life, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm always, well, here it is. I don't feel like I'm, I'm 47 years old, but I still feel like I'm 16. I only remember when I look in the mirror, you know, and I yeah. can't move, you know, and I, and how is an old guy going to remember how it worked? Probably yeah. the way his old body you re- works. You'll recall things the kind of the way you are now. Yeah. You're not going to recall things as if you were that age. I totally agree. So that is an, and, an interesting point. And, it, it, you know, it's something I always thought about, you know, with heaven, right? Uh, you know, I miss my grandfather, both of them, right? Yeah. When I get up, when I get up there. You know, is there a special thing in heaven where you see them the way you know them? Or, you know, fuck, when I'm in heaven, I want to be 22-year-old Jeff up there. I don't want to be <laughs> fucking old guy. Fuck my grandkids. Yeah, I'll take like, I think I'll take like, thir- I kind of liked my 30s. I'll say like 33-year-old John. That'll be yeah. perfect. Right. I don't want this Jeff. God no, forbid, I don't. In 20 years with my grandkids, I don't want that fucking guy. Yeah, I don't want the receding hairline. I'd like yeah. the hairline to move back down onto my forehead a little bit. And I think that's all just part of it where you you can't stop thinking about how old these guys are 
how how old all of us are getting, how this is probably the last time we're seeing all these actors together. They're they're coming to the end. Like it's it just on a, just a whole idea of mortality. It's just overwhelming you, and it's supposed to. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, that's the major theme, you know, mortality and regret. Those are the major themes of this movie. So, I, yeah, I think that I was a really, it. really cool concept. I had I definitely wouldn't have thought of that on my own until uh, it was brought up. And I was like, you know, that's actually makes a lot of sense. And I, I'll go with that. Yeah. And famously, you know, Scorsese's coming around, going around talking about the story of like the first day with Pacino where there were like. Um, uh, yeah, he told him. Yeah. You got to act younger. He saw this. Yeah. And he's like, there's like consultants on the set. were like, yeah, like a, a 40 year old guy doesn't get up like that. So they're, they were cognizant of this act. And, and, you know, he could have shot that De Niro scene, you know, curve stopping the guy a million different ways. This is the most creative director we know. So he went wide and stationary and with an old man, with an old man, de-aged. It's not an accident. No, I mean, you know, you're right. You don't, you don't win a prize out there because you thought De Niro looked silly kicking the guy. And then we have a history of De Niro. Think of De Niro kicking Billy Bats from that 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 below shot of his of his face where his whole body is kicking him and his arms and are up in the air. And he's making there's a, De Niro a lot of face. speed. There was a yeah, lot of speed there. Yeah, he's kicking the fuck out of him. Think of it. That's the guy we know too. We know that guy can kick. That's how like that's how De Niro kicks like in Goodfellas. He was a kid like in the Irishman. It's again, this is not a mistake. This is not a oops. Uh, you know, we're well, we're ending this. Oh fuck it, we'll just leave it in there. No man, this is not a mistake. Yeah, there's intent there, um, and and I think that the the way that it was laid out, especially in that article, it, it makes perfect sense to me. And uh, like I said, I buy it. I, I kind of buy it. It's almost yeah. like it's it's just based off of the memory of an old man. What we'll to throw a link in the uh, link to the article in the in the notes. It's a good Shout idea. Out. That's a good idea. I still have it. Um, all right, all right. So we got that yeah. out of the way. Um, <laughs> how, long the, how long did the first five ten minutes of the movie take for us to talk about? I don't know, but I can tell you we're only going for about another twenty minutes. So there's probably going to be let's let's make the announcement right now. This is probably going to be like a 10-part series to break down this movie. So buckle up, everyone. Uh, we're going to have lots of clips, uh, more so coming up in, in, in future episodes. But it's going to take a little bit of time, as my guess. Yeah. We're not the will, fastest. This will be like the winds of war. <laughs> we, we like to move nice and slow. That's how our ladies like us. <laughs> <laughs> you want a podcast with a slow <laughs> See, the audience liked that one, Jeff. Oh, oh thanks. That was a beautiful voice. Uh, of course. Um, all right, so back to um, back to the meeting, that initial meeting between Russell Buffalino, played by Joe Pesci, and then Frank Sheeran. Um, like you said, I thought Pesci looked great. The de-aging really worked for his character, I have to say. Great, you know, and... and Great meeting. He's like, "What's your name?" <laughs> and he won't. Yeah, tell you know that's 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 so mob guy. You know, yeah. I'll just all right, man. Hang in there, and I'll see you around. Well, it's keeping the upper hand on someone, right? Like these mob yeah. guys, they always got the upper hand on everybody. And I think you just—it's almost like by me not telling you my name, I'm just 
I, I'm really just keeping you at bay. And I think yeah. that was kind of cool uh, the way he did that. Obviously, they meet again and they become great friends. But uh, it was it was good. It was a good scene. I like that. Refreshing, too. After so many years of not seeing these guys together, to have so many scenes with them together in this movie. Oh, oh my God, of course. Um, and, you know, it, it's an interesting thing, too, because Sheeran is not... He doesn't know what world he's in. I mean, he's just a working stiff at this point. You know, he still hasn't even stolen the stakes yet. And no. now then again, you know, these guys have been in war. You know, you could call making someone dig their grave and, and shooting them. I mean, I guess you call that murder, but it's in a war, so it's not. So it's like, you know, he's on that edge of, you know, what kind of guy I am. I mean, how many guys came back like that and didn't know what they were in the 50s? <coughs> Oh, God damn this cough. Jesus. You all right? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm dying. Something's Shit. happening. Playing the still of the night, man. I think, I think you're on your way out. I'll leave the door <laughs> open for you, all right? <laughs> At the start of the podcast, what I did was I slowly had the microphone meander towards me as I was sitting on the sofa. Ah, and then ah, uh, ah. it just panned on me. I got my <laughs> pinky ring on, everything. Uh, Yeah, so... All right. Uh, what happens next? Uh, they're in the bar, and um, you know, we ask him where he hangs out. So then you see Sheeran in the bar, and he's with uh, Eugene Patacorvo, uh, having a yes. having a couple shots. And I thought this was interesting. He's like, oh, "I'll go introduce introduce you to some guy." And he's like, "Let's shoot this first, which I thought was an interesting way to phrase that. And then you see an overhead shot of the three of them doing a shot. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'd like to start thinking how many times they said shoot or, you know, made reference to such a thing in this movie. It's probably a zillion. <laughs> yeah. There's, and um, uh, again, there's always a purpose. Yeah. Right. Um, they go to the table. And um, so um, what the fuck's his fucking name? What's Skinny's name? The actor. We all know this actor. He's famous now. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I know who you're talking about. Well, forget about it. We're not going to remember right now. No. Yeah. So, uh he had his own show on HBO, and then he was in, he was in uh, World War II. Oh, Bob, Bobby Cannavale. There you are. Thank you. Uh, and next to him was Michael Franchese, Michael Franzese, who was in Goodfellas in the meeting of the mobsters scene around the bar when uh, he's the guy that's like, yeah, yeah, I saw that guy. I went to see him. Um, oh, right is that after, him? Yeah, right after Nicky Eyes and before, you know, uh, Frankie Two, Johnny Two Times, whatever the fuck his name was. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy two times. Jimmy two times. Yeah, so he was right between us. That's that, that guy sitting in the bar, and he has an interesting IMDb. He's in he's in a like six movies, so he just knows Scorsese's Casino. I, I'm trying to figure out which one he is there, but I noticed him right away. And again, I, it's probably you know it's like we're you know Marty's easing us into this world kind of, where he's like, hey man, we're this is still your world. This is your Goodfellas world, audience. Like, you can feel comfortable here. You know, we got a new guy you kind of know. And we got this old guy that was always in the scene, you know, behind the scenes around. No? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And to be honest with you, I think it's it was even a more sophisticated view of that world. I, I thought. I, I don't know. I think that, you know, Goodfellas uh, was the way that everyone believed it to be. You know, when you thought about the the mob and 
and and these you know mid-level bosses and high-level bosses and i don't know there was something about the sophistication behind the way that he portrayed this family you know angelo bruno russell buffalino the network how it all how it all came together mm-hmm. i just i found it to be a little bit more intricate a little bit more put together and really made a lot of sense that this is scorsese's last mafia movie um just because i think he just he did it perfectly i i really i really liked the way that he 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 portrayed um the mafia in this movie yes and and make no mistake too about casino or goodfellas i mean you know we glamorize it you know i want to be yeah. henry hill young henry hill and i certainly want to be you know eighth raw ace raw state in, in vegas but it does, never ends well for anybody i mean you know don't, don't forget that so it's you know there's a whirlwind of the excitement of this world but it, you know it's not like he's. It's not like he's giving these guys happy endings. No, and and there's a lot less fun in this movie, right? I mean, certainly he injects humor all the time. There are tons of funny scenes. Uh, obviously, all the stuff with whispers. Um, you know, they, a lot of lot of just a lot of moments where you're gonna laugh. But it was not that wild ride that Goodfellas was. Certainly not that Casino was. This was just very matter of fact. Yeah, yeah, after hours, <laughs> it, it, it could never reach the comedic potential of after hours. That nothing last, could reach that. Last temptation of Christ. Yeah, now you're talking about some funny <laughs> Harvey Keitel, <laughs> Harvey Keitel in Last Temptation with yeah. the Brooklyn accent and, and the perm. And the, <laughs> I love Last Temptation of Christ. I hate after hours. Just to reiterate, I hate after hours. But I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm growing a little bit more fond of it as as the months wear on i have to say okay. i'm gonna go back and watch it again yeah i hear more i was listening to like an old podcast of, of ranking scorsese stuff and they were um you know like two of the dudes brought up after hours is like a top five and i'm like no <laughs> no no no, uh, no it's yeah. never gonna get there for me that's just insane um but i think i can overlook like this guy that has to keep closing his bar in the middle of the night. Oh my god! The bar, yeah, the it, bar that nobody attends. We can't I talk can... about this. We gotta stop. <laughs> I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't. I can't. <laughs> but I, yeah. when I go back and do my rewatch, I'm going to try to tolerate all of that stuff. All right. All right. Uh, whatever. So now he's he's starting to uh, going to steal the steaks, and then you you know there's a little uh, like. Like tab you put through that he cut off and and um, you know he takes the first time he takes like a couple steaks and then just takes by the end he just takes the whole fucking truck <laughs> and then and the guy that he's the guy he's delivering it to by the way his name was Tony I don't know if he called that which 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 really which made it, me laugh this it pays off it. later yeah. yeah it pays off later <laughs> that killed me because I just you know I don't know why I I discovered that this week. Um, <laughs> Really funny. Um, so he's stealing the steaks. You know, he's got a kid. There's a baptism. I mean, again, another bat. You know, I mean, this is Coppola, but just baptisms. We're always involved in. You know, we're always in the Catholic Church doing something. Well, Scorsese's know. obsessed with religion anyway. Yeah. He he always has been. Um, and I gotta say about the whole this it's kind of scheme that they had going with the steaks and. You know, you really had to pay attention. I, I will say, <clears throat> when we watched it the first time, 
um, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm trying to like kind of follow what the hell was the scam here? Like I knew ultimately it was, there's going to be missing stakes, but I was like, I'm trying to figure out how did he do it? I'm just such a dummy. And on the second, you know, the second time around, I finally figured it out because I said to myself, all right, now pay attention to what the fuck is going on with this, you know, with these little, uh, the plastic, uh, it was almost like those twist ties, right. Yeah. Um, that they were putting on the back of the truck and I got it. I got it. Um, but yeah, the first time around, I was a little bit lost. I have to say, I just knew that they were stealing steaks. <laughs> I was like, how the fuck are they doing this? And I also think that he's trading up for better grades because when he pulls the tags off them, Oh God. Probably, yeah. So he's pulling off like the grade A tags, I guess, and then moving them around. So you, they all just get lost in the shuffle. Um, and then of course, when, you, when there's names to be named, you know, the guy that was cold that handed him that, that twist tag you know, he would be one of the names. I mean, there's, you know, when you think about it, there was more than just him involved. <laughs> I like, I like when, the so, you know, he's ultimately he's delivering them to skinny, uh, the Bobby kind character. And he's like, uh, well, how many you want next week? And you know, he I just looks around that, the huh? table. He's like, well, at least four, because <laughs> there's four of them sitting there. It's just fucking, fucking hilarious, man. I love that line. Tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and those are the moments where you can enjoy like these mobsters and they are funny and it's it's kind of hilarious and it's not that much harm done. They're stealing steaks, for God's sake. So and, I could it's OK. And also, this is a far cry from the love affair with food in all of his previous movies where, you you know, I watch Goodfellas and I'm like, you know, I'm heating up the gravy when I'm in the middle of it. Like, oh, hell eat. yeah, man. The prison like, scene. But I, oh, yeah. But I. I don't want to have a steak in a bar. Basically, I'm not really down with that. I don't care. I don't care if they've got grade A steaks. I don't trust a guy that's you know, chopping off chickens' heads with a switchblade. I don't want him cooking up my steak. Okay. <laughs> Listen to this. I used to I used to work with a guy <clears throat> at the stock exchange when I was younger. His uh, his thing was he used to go to uh, Delilah's Den to get a steak, <laughs> and he would he would sit there he would sit there and eat eat a steak. I think he would go at like five in the afternoon. <laughs> That's sad. That's sad. It is. You know, that was his to, choice. You know, a little tangent. I'm starting the I'm starting the carnivore diet. Have you heard of this? Oh, this sounds like something that's gonna not gonna be good for your uh, cholesterol. But go ahead. No, nah, well, yeah, it's, it's just meat. <clears throat> it's not even greens. You can't even have greens. So no, <laughs> excuse me, no white meat. Is it just steak? No, it's just uh, chicken and you know eggs. Oh, eggs, oh okay. Eggs, you know, That's not bad. No, no bread, no sugar, but just no. I mean, I'm not having a lot of vegetables anyway. I don't um, understand why. Why do you not want to take in vegetables? What's the payoff here? Well, I've been listening to a lot of Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you know who that is. Yes, I do. And uh, he's been doing it, and he has psoriasis, and I have it as well. And he said. He said his whole life he had it and cleared up by doing this diet. Now, you know, I would love to have those same results, but that's that's how's the, how's the fat build up around his heart, though? Well, there, there's there's a little bit of an old wives tale with that stuff. Um, when you're talking about the food pyramids and all that shit, that was basically one of the biggest lies ever put to the public. Um, the idea of cholesterol and and you know, just 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 what you're saying. That's what everyone thinks, but it's just if you really delve into the reasons why 
we all think that it's just completely bogus. Okay, I mean, there's a couple documentaries I can, I could. Hey, early man, that's all they did was eat eat meat. So, okay, that's fine. Anyways, so I'll be having yeah. a lot of steaks. So I will be eating steaks, maybe in the Delilahs. Hey, uh, thanks for that. Thanks for that tangent. I really appreciate it. Uh oh. Watch out, Big Mike. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Big Mike. That's not going away. Um, anywho, so they they stealing the steaks. He, he meets uh, Buffalino, and uh, you know, great scene there with with those two, and you know, you know, rehash the scene, but you know, he's make sure he's not going to name names. He gets them off. Uh, another great funny part where the judge says, "I'm you know, we're ending this case with a warning." And De Niro's like, I'm sorry. He's like, no, no, not you. You, the prosecutors that bring this case in front of me again, scold them. That was so hilarious. Great. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, all the stuff we love. That's what we love about the mob. especially That reminds you of Goodfellas, too. Yeah. You know, with Henry getting off in his first case. Uh, it's just like one look from the lawyer to the judge. That's all uh, it takes. What do you mean the lawyer? That is, oh, what's his name? What's his name up in the farm in New York? Sopranos. Oh yeah, Uncle Al. Is it? No, it's not Uncle Al. Are you sure? Yeah, that's it's right. To- we know it is. All right. Anyway, I think it's Uncle Al. What's his last name then? Maybe I'm thinking. Ah oh, shit! I don't know. But you, t- uh, yeah, Tony, Uncle Johnny, and Tony, Uncle Al. I thought that. I thought. Yeah, I think that's Uncle Al. Yeah, but. Uh, come on. Come on. You're stalling again. You're stalling again. I- <laughs> What the hell? It's Come on, let's Tony, keep this thing not, moving. It's not Tony Uncle Al. They have the last name up on the farm. It's not it. <laughs> it's it's Uncle Al. It's not. Yes, it, it is. What's her name? Lorraine. Uh, how's Lorraine? Fat, right? Who? The his his daughter that was like cooking them. You know, don't ask him. Just bring him a plate. His name's not Al. No, wait a minute. Oh, oh, wait. I thought you were talking. The one from the farm? It's Sopranos. When they go and they pick up the guys, the... the... First of all, their nicknames were Tony Uncle Johnny, which was Tony Soprano, and Tony yes. Uncle Al, which is Tony Blundetto. I know. But right, I and Uncle all... Uncle Al is from the farm. I'm telling you. That's why That's why Tony Blundetto, Tony B, goes there. Wasn't that his his family's house when he was no, young? They all they all went up there. Yeah, but I'm I'm pretty sure that that was his, that that was, oh, damn, oh maybe it was Uncle Pat, maybe it was Uncle Pat. That sounds that sounds more like it. Yeah, it, it's possible. I don't know. It is. It's Uncle Pat. Asshole. I told you. Yeah. So Al was Al was Tony B's father, and Pat was his uncle. Same last name, Blundetto. Uncle Pat. Yeah, Uncle Pat. Uncle Pat's farm. Hey, I came up with all the answers. <laughs> That's all I know. All right. Uh, cue up El Negro Zumban. Oh, so I have to uh, I have to set the stage for us, I guess. Yeah, you do. All right. What is it called? El Negro what? Zumban. Zero right. Okay. Is it on, it's on the soundtrack, but I don't know if it's iTunes yeah. ready. Of course not. I don't know why. There's 13 songs on, on iTunes, but they're not. If you quit your yapping, we'll hear it. 
<laughs> so what's the significance of this song? When was this played? All right. So this is where they're coming into the restaurant uh, with uh, Buffalino and, and, and Frank meets Russ officially. And then he sees that Russ goes over to talk to Angelo Bruno. You see Angelo Bruno pick up a glass. You see his ring right away. Yeah. Um, and and then that's what Frank's like. Oh, that's how I knew who they were. And but it's like this subdued kind of Spanish vibe right to this song. And this is where you see the first the first way someone died. And it was Angelo Bruno shot in the head in a car outside of his house, 1980. Yeah. And it's, and it's a freeze frame. And it's just kind of this subtle music. And I have a little theory on this music that we'll get to in a, in a second. But Oh, by the way, <clears throat> that was one thing I loved about how they introduced characters with so-and-so shot in the face in 1983. Yes. You know, I really thought that that was impactful. I did. Like this was the this was how all these guys ended up. Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. It was impactful because it was just so matter of fact. Freeze frame, how they died. And yeah, they look great. He looks great now, man. He's at his corner booth and he's he's running the, <laughs> running the city and he's got his ring and you know he's having a drink. But we oh, know yeah. how it's going to end for this guy, and it's just that I just like this music bed underneath of it, the freeze frame, and it's. And I was thinking, too, when you have, you know, Scorsese will put words up on the screen. Normally, it's kind of a fun type of thing. Like, I always think of, you know, a casino when he's like, you know, years ago, or, you know, back home years ago. And then you'd see it on the screen, you know, back home years ago, which is right. fucking hilarious. It and, is. You know, you don't have that that lightheartedness, that fun aspect to it. This is, man, this dude's going to, this dude's going down. I mean, he's going to, you know, rule the roost in this beginning of this movie, but... That's how it's ending. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. somewhat like watching a documentary uh, of sorts when, when you kind of get that, that piece of information in front of you just as you're being introduced to the character. Like so-and-so gets shot in the head three times uh, in 15 years from now. Yeah, and you're right. Very affecting, powerful, perfect. Yeah. Uh, just great. Um, so and Angelo Bruno, yeah. Angelo Bruno, Harry Keitel, of course. Uh, then you see, then yeah, then it's Russ and uh, and Frank sitting at a table. They're uh, they're dipping their red. Oh, play this song now, the Gribs. Oh, the Gribs. Yeah, that's right. That's one of our uh, one of our favorites from the movie. So you know, Sheeran was in the war. This is how he learned to speak Italian. They're speaking Italian. They're dipping their bread in the wine, and this song. For me, just immediately evoked the Godfather theme, um, but it wasn't quite. So that was my first thought when I when I saw it the first time. Yeah, I hear you. I would love to play it. <laughs> you motherfucker! <laughs> I would really love to play it. Um, yeah, here we go. You ready for this? I'm ready. Fast forward a little bit too. Come on. Fast forward it. That part, yeah. Beautiful. Now, when was this? This is when they're sitting down and having their bread. Yeah. Great, just great background music for two old chindons sitting there <laughs> dipping their bread in their in their uh in their vino, you know? These yeah, these this is yeah, we're all we're, we want to sit at that table with with our favorite two guys and like 
you know, four of our favorite movies now. Beautiful. And, you know, this is the good times. Yeah, for sure. These are the happy times that Frank remembered. Yep. That's um, uh, that's Le Grisby by Gene <laughs> Wiener. Get ready with uh, Delicato. <laughs> Delicato, you got it. Coming uh, right up, sir. Thank you. So now, and so then you see, um, you know, again, we, we can't help but have a history with all these, all our favorite movies, Bronx Tale now. So we have, what's her name, whatever, whatever the fuck her real name is, Russ's wife, De Niro's wife in Bronx Tale, and Artie's wife in Sopranos. Charmaine. And, the Charmaine, lovely Charmaine Bucco. And they're, and they're talking about her family as if, you know, they were like Italian royalty. They came over on the Italian Mayflower, which I thought was yes. hilarious too. <laughs> and, and it's so true. It's almost like she's... You know, the character is Italian royalty, but then the, the actress is, you know, a, Italian royalty in these in this genre of movies and TV shows. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. And then you see Russ coming home. He's got blood all over him right after they talked about this. And she, you know, she looks at him, doesn't say a word. She's like, give me your clothes, give me your shoes. And, and this is where you have to remember that you know, even this kind of well put together woman, you know, is complicit. Just just like we are. When we love these people, we're complicit. Well, and how about this? Honestly, even more of a shock for me was this mild mannered, very understated mob boss. It came home with blood all over him. Like yeah, sure. you just didn't picture you didn't picture Russell Buffalino in that sort of situation like where he was an enforcer i just looked at him as a boss and that kind of hit home for me oh yeah this guy he i guess he he witnessed a couple murders in his time and he took part in some too you know you don't get you don't get to that status unless you do no you don't get you don't get get made until you do that no um when do you want to hear delicato right now oh okay so now, as they're, as they were talking about, you know, him cleaning off his bloody clothes, they should, they kind of go into where where he works out of. He works out of like a drape shop. And yes. This song is playing, and again, another Spanish vibe to it. And you see, you know, wise guys coming and going, and they're talking about bribery and how he runs everything from the back of his place. It's a typical story, you know. It's the drape shop is a is a front for this guy. Um. And, you know, just all how he's running everything from there. But dig this, right? This is what I was thinking about. So you have this song, and you have the earlier song with Bruno, and it's kind of got a Spanish theme. And I'm thinking, you know, why in the world would there be, like, Spanish music in this movie, right? And I'm thinking that... (laughs) Yeah, it's not the fucking Mambo Kings. So please explain. Here, you're going to... Check this out. It's all because of Cuba. This whole... (sighs) That's good this thinking. Whole, yeah. This whole story, not just this movie, all these movies we love. Think about JFK when we lose our minds with with you know <laughs> David Ferry and Pesci. And yeah. you know, Cuba was a catalyst really that knocked everyone off their ass in the fifties because this was gonna be the next place, you know, the just the the glorious days of just continuing the mob reign and it all ended. And I think I think I think this is kind of part of it. You want to start almost thinking about Cuba already. That's good. I like that. I mean, hey, I 
I like that explanation as much as I, I. In fact, I haven't heard any reasons as to why Scorsese selected any of these songs besides "Still of the Night." So I like that. It makes I a mean, lot of sense. Thank you. I, I was, I was, I, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, it's not. You know, we're not getting doo wop, and we're not. You know, we're not getting Frankie Valley or some shit. This is like, yeah, it's good songs. I mean, they're good songs anyway. They fit. They feel nice. Oh, for sure. But 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 you know. It almost seems out of place in a way, the, the Spanish kind of vibe. It does, but it all worked. Like, you know, while you're watching the movie, it all just it all made sense. It kind of made me feel the scene. It, it fit what was going on in each scene. Um, what was that one? El Grisbo? <laughs> What's the La Grisby? Is <laughs> yeah. that the last one? Is that when they were when they were dipping the bread into the wine? Is that La Grisby? That was um... by John Wiener. Yes. Yes. All right. So I would urge we're going to wrap it up for tonight, but I would urge um, anybody who hasn't watched this movie, hopefully, hopefully you haven't listened th thus far. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, but I, yeah, I recommend uh, downloading the soundtrack. It's available on iTunes. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's available it. anywhere. Um, the other songs. Yeah, download it, check it out. I mean, there's just so many good songs. We're going to get into more of them as we go through this in our 12-part uh, series uh, <laughs> Behind should, the Irishman. <laughs> should we – Behind the Irishman. Should, uh, should, we, should we start with the, with the, uh, the hit of Anastasia next time or, or do it now or just start it next time? Let's start it next time. All right. <clears throat> let's let's start it next time. So we're in the, mid, in the midst of Delicato playing – and Russ running things, and then we'll get to the barbershop hit, which is fucking tremendous the way he did it. It is. Yep. Agreed. Can't yeah, I think we need to. Yeah, we need to dedicate more time to that. I don't want to get into that now. Um, this is great. You figure. So let's see. Twenty minutes of movie time equates to one hour of podcast time. So this <laughs> this should be done in eleven or twelve hours. Is is my guess. That's what I'm thinking. Well, Johnny going to be a long off season it sure is <laughs> oh sorry eagles fans and as soon as uh as soon as the titans the 49ers the seahawks and maybe uh, here's the four team and then the uh the texans win sunday and saturday oh my god a longer off season if that happens i i may not watch the conference championships <laughs> nah of course i will that would be a joke <laughs> um all right. Do you have anything else you would like to say here? Nah, fuck it. You sure? Yeah. All right. Because I there's there's somebody who, who can sign us off a, a little bit better than you and I can anymore. Uh -huh. I'm just gonna let him take over, okay? Yeah, yeah. Alright, thanks everyone. You charge a guy, always charge a guy with a gun. <laughs> with a knife you run away. Yeah. Run away from a knife. So you charge with a gun, with a knife you run. Fuck them.